Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Nymphed Alumni. I'll preface this by saying that I'm currently sitting next to Biz Sherbert in my hotel room and we're in London. So this is one of the special episodes where we actually get to be together in person. It should change your listening experience, I think. This week, we are discussing a special form of energy that has recently been discovered in the universe that is stronger than blood than plasma (laughs) and that is theater kid energy and we've just started to notice that the overlords of our culture all happen to be theater kids and you know that seems like it might be common for like the entertainment industry or the culture industry but this year it's it's starting to feel like people are less ashamed about it and like there's more freedom and more rights for theater kids (laughs) than ever before (laughs) what consequences that will have we will discuss. We will discuss. We'll draw conclusions. Yeah. The conclusions are, well, yeah. We're literally like Oppenheimer, but instead of nuclear stuff, we're doing theater kid energy. This is one of those episodes where we put something on trial and then we pass judgment <laughs> on them as the episode concludes. The trial of the theater kid? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like, this is going to be, that's a Nymphed alumni classic is when mm-hmm. we put something on trial. We're going to put the theater kid energy on trial and make a value judgment about what should happen to them, whether or not they should continue to rise to the top as they've been doing the past few months, maybe even the past year. Yeah, definitely the past year. Yeah. Where should we start? Well, um, I believe last time we recorded this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm yeah. is, is that we literally recorded this episode before, but it's been lost to the sands of time. Ethan Slater's yeah. angry ghost. Ethan Slater's team actually <laughs> hacked my iCloud and deleted the file <laughs> um, and corrupted it with a track of SpongeBob laughing. So, <laughs> I don't know where to start. Why don't we start with Ethan Slater? No, we started with Bottoms last time. Okay, why don't we start with yeah, bottoms? bottoms? I didn't watch Bottoms. I said I would watch it that night and I didn't watch it. So okay, I'll let you well, guys take over. I watched Bottoms the other night. And for context, Bottoms is a comedy that centers around two untalented lesbians <laughs> who are in high school that are played by Rachel Sinnott. And how do you say Io's last name? Edaberry. Edaberry. Uh, Rachel Sinnott and Io Edaberry. And essentially the theater energy comes out because I guess it's a it's kind of like a dork comedy. Like it centers around a band of dorks getting together and... Rachel and Io's characters essentially creating a women's self-defense club so that they can attract like hot cheerleaders to make out with. So it definitely has that like nerd conspiracy aspect that we associate with a lot of theater kid media. And also it has like a certain intensity and outlandishness uh, and slapstick aspect to it. And also I think just like the fact that it, it really... It's like a hyperbolic exploration of uh, high school tropes. Yeah. Like the, there's obviously a football quarterback in it and he like literally walks around being like, me football, like that sort of yeah. thing. It's it's funny because it reminds me a lot of Brokette, but I don't think that it had come out yet when we did that. But yeah, it is, as Biz said, very hyperbolic and very Revenge of the Nerds-y. It reminds me a lot of the era of comedy that's like Napoleon Dynamite, yes. super bad. But also because the styling is a little bit of that weird like 70s does 2000s. 70s Or 2000s does 70s, 2000s yeah. yeah. A lot of ringer tees, a lot of... Gym like, shorts. Gym shorts, a lot of stripes, horizontal yeah. stripes that are like multicolored. 
from the Urban it's Outfitters. It's kind of weird though because like in in the movie, um, like there's a lot of that stuffy styling, but then the most popular pretty girl is well, the second in command is played by Kaya Gerber, mm-hmm. and they put her in the most busted like Y2K juicy couture tracks. She wears IMGA, I think. She does, time, yeah, yeah, yeah. So hmm. I didn't like that styling very much. I mean, but I understand it. Like I did. And also the main hot girl is Weijin. Yeah. And she wears some pretty cute coquette, like Y2K stuff. Pastels. She wears what I think I recognized as a skirt suit that I own. So she does wear a skirt suit. Yeah. Which no one wears that in high school, TBH. The um Heathers did. The Heathers the, did. The, yeah. the Clueless. And Clueless, yeah. yeah. So it was definitely, yeah, mm. referencing those as well. The, the contentious comedies of Mean Girls as well, which is also on the docket for today. Yeah. So Bottoms also seems important because the two headliners are NYU graduates. And NYU is actually at the nucleus of Cedar Kid energy yeah, for a lot of reasons. It just has that same kind of shameless and cringe feeling about it NYU is actually an amazing institution and like it kind of sucks I think that it's become so memed because it's like a school that's kind of hard to get into and like somewhat prestigious but people still really make fun of it people went through a really big phase not so much anymore but making fun of Tish students all the time and you would be in Tish if you were like a drama student yeah everyone has started making fun of instead the like interdisciplinary stuff yeah which good because as someone who's an interdisciplinary, get a real job as an actor. <laughs> yeah, as an interdisciplinary um, student of the humanities, at one point there really is no need for that. I think um, build your own major. Yeah, the build your own major of it all. Where it, yeah, it's yeah, that's a real one. industrial complex to me. Um, yeah, but NYU, Just, SNL, Second City, these institutions of essentially modern day jesterdom they're starting to become way more prominent. People are starting to be less like embarrassed about stand up and like pursuing professional comedy than I think they were before. Yes. It's because it's become really TikTokified as well. Yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. you can find an audience there, which I think takes away some of the pain of like performing to yeah. a crowd. And yeah. it does seem like one of those like real life things that people are very much still into like the fact that the come town guy has like a netflix comedy special at this point stop yeah he's rachel simmons ex <gasps> yeah yeah that was that was connected. part of her like come up in a way because there was a time when he was much more famous than she was yeah. and they were dating and then people, people were like how how can he land a girl like this her. she has big boobs <laughs> yeah. but people would bully her too because they'd really? say that she was like a clout chaser or something. Oh yeah, but who was chasing I mean, they, who? They, they kind of grew up together. Whoa. Yeah, Maybe but she did. like had a different trajectory. I think he was a bit of a, more of a slower burn, but she's had such incredible success in the past year, being on the mm-hmm. Idol. And uh, I think she was kind of. I mean, both her and Toys of Vine, they were kind of like both breakout stars of that show. Yeah. I think a bit. That's um, true. Millie Rose Depp wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I've been getting a lot of NBC related content on my tiktok feed which is kind of interesting tell us about it i used to be a big nbc fan (laughs) um on tumblr when i was like a preteen i think i was doing like 12 or 13 but i had like a fan tumblr of 
you know, included the works of like uh, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. Bossy Pants was like my favorite book when I hit puberty. And I've been getting a lot of related content and energy. Improv comedy groups, I feel like, are going to start arising. I even got the impulse to join an acting (laughs) class, which I've never had that impulse in my life. But I just felt like it would be a really interesting experience to join an acting class at a community center. Like Mm -hmm. I'm doing it for um, anthropological study or something. So that's what I'm going to be doing on Sundays in March. Yeah. I mean, okay. Speaking of SNL alumni, <laughs> I forgot that's part of her name. We, there's literally like a meta acting show called Barry starring Bill Hader, who's like one of the most amazing oh, SNL yeah. alumni of all time. But it kind of is about this, Sam, where like he takes a, a sketchy acting class and meets like interesting people through it. Um, yeah, I want to have an experience like that. I want to meet um bizarre like who is going to be taking acting because it it was advertised as people who are seriously trying to break into acting and like that's not why I'm doing it I'm doing it for the for the vibe like yeah what if I I mean shit I wouldn't say no I don't know but I don't know it just feels like there's a sense of theatricality that's like re-entering the culture I think that we've tired of the flat affect of yeah post sort of like quarantine-y type behavior or I think we kind of discussed this a little bit in Brocat where it was like sleaze versus raunch you know Mm -hmm. kind of emerging out of like the cool disconnected disaffected sleaze of it all and entering into raunch which is emotive and fiery and mm, I think kind of in your face or something I don't know yeah it also has to do with an exhaustion with was beauty because I'm thinking of like all of these funny people and even though I was also on NBC Tumblr and I was kind of objectifying them in my own ways like there's something inherently sexy about late night hosts for example because their job is literally just like charming person that's able to talk to everyone and like make everyone laugh these like class clown figures are so needed right now because I think everyone can agree that like we don't just want to see hot people in movies and tv and people who can't act and people who can't make us laugh and people who like have instagram face we want like big personalities like these snl people literally look like caricatures you know like that are drawn at the beach like there's just something about them that Mm -hmm. yeah rachel sinnett has like the opposite of instagram face yeah yeah i mean there's definitely a reason why lily rose depp was the not like the breakout star of the idol Mm -hmm. or why people weren't like standing her character necessarily or like her fandom i didn't think still like particularly developed i think they wanted it to become like an alexa demi thing where she was like that type of iconic yeah but she kind of already was yeah she she was so much more like that just as herself yeah as any character Mm mm-hmm it's kind of a full circle moment back to the Nepo baby episode, or even we talked about in the looks maxing episode where so many people's ideal is being like so beautiful that you can like do nothing or that you can mm-hmm. just like do anything and you can't be judged for it. But this is kind of in the opposite direction. Like, yeah, like yeah. you have such a good personality and you're so effortlessly funny that people will just fuck with you. Yeah. I also think it has a lot to do with like craft, which I think we're going to have like a really big resurgence of like an obsession with craft and an obsession with like true, not, not natural talent. Like I think we've kind of had gone through several years now of people who were born with this like inexplicable talent type thing, the ineffable energy of their vibe, you know? Um, But I think we're going to, 
Like, mm. um, I'm just Adele. Adele, yeah. Adele, Adele. I think we have like a, um, I don't know. We've discussed this a lot where it's like people who are just like born beautiful or born yeah. talented or born kind of special. And I think right now we're entering into like um, kind of a time where it's like, I you have to work really hard to like earn something mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense like I think that is it like does. the theater kid vibe where it's like you're an improv club from ages like 13 and above and your parents would put you in they would send you to second city for like an improv camp or something <laughs> They'd, like, save you know all their mean? money yeah for, like, and like months. yeah and then you follow like the the path that you read about that all of these different like comedians took and uh, it's very like meritocratic structure for like comedy, I think. Yeah, you really. And can't it's like almost like it's like militaristic. Like you, no, you can't fake it because especially with all of these like TikTok people who are comedians that are kind of breakout stars. Like I think we were talking about it in the last episode that we recorded. That's now lost. Is we were thinking about like who <laughs> of like the gay comedians on TikTok would end up hosting SNL, and we we're like Benny Drama, like. <laughs> Well, we're like gay girl? guy with wig yeah gay guy, gay guy with, with wig, wig number one <laughs> gay um, guy with wig number the paloma two, diamond yeah. guy i don't know who the fuck that is, but... mm-hmm. no wait really his whole thing it, it's really theater kid energy is that he does like fake oscars where all the actors are made up mm-hmm. and oh, there's yes, just one yes. named paloma diamond that is essentially mm-hmm. a stand-in for like glenn close meryl streep type oh, okay that's mm-hmm. just like a matronly seasoned actor but he like has somehow expanded into this whole universe of all these fake actresses and all these fake movies that all are different, like Hollywood types. It's funny. But yeah. everyone is like standing Paloma Diamond because <laughs> she's mother, which is something that we will talk about again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like the TikTok stars to SNL pipeline is not going to be established. Yeah. You know, no like it's hell. not going to. They're more likely to be the musical guests at this point. It's true. They always are. Yeah. Anyways, these days. But I mean, Nessa Barrett is not going to be the musical guest, you know. I could see Nessa Barrett being the musical guest. She could be. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What about Addison Rae? Has she been the musical guest? I could see Addison Rae being the musical guest in a a bit. These people, I don't think, are that good at performing live, though. SNL, you really have to, like... But SNL's, like, famous for having bad live performances. Yeah, that's kind of Like, the part of the... Like, the Lana Del Rey SNL performance that haunts... But Nessa is not. <laughs> Nessa is not Lana. Um, she wants okay, to be well, so I bad, double, though. Yeah, no. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I, I saw this with the last episode, the Galliano episode, where people, ever since the Galliano show dropped, like it's giving really strong theater kid energy, and that all of these people came out of the woodwork and were suddenly experts in craftsmanship, and they were genuinely experts. Like it was people that were like, "Hi, I'm like um, a trained." <laughs> I'm like a trained corset maker and I've been practicing corsetry for 30 years. Like I'm here, gonna, I'm going to chime in, you know, instead of these like fake experts that we were talking about in the Mormon episode where it's like, hi, doodle expert here, like, on, <laughs> on, like anonymously, like on a Reddit, you know, where it's like it's at people who are actually have expertise and you can tell because of their general theater kid energy. Like yeah. it's, there's something trustworthy about it in the sense that you can trust that they're speaking from a place of authority yeah I think there's just like this inherent especially when it comes to comedy and being funny obviously there are lots of funny people in this world the percentage of them that actually want to do like professional comedy is pretty small and also the percentage of like actual comedy that is funny is also kind of small like I guess different strokes for different folks but there's genuinely a lot of like unfunny comedy around Mm -hmm. 
And I've always had this thing where I'm like, I have no interest in seeing stand up because like I would rather just like talk to my friend that's funny. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I think we're starting to break down the stigma around like the pursuit of comedy as a life path because these figures like Ao Adabiri and Rachel Sennett, I think, have like that slacker vibe, but also someone leaked this like this picture of them or a picture of this like whiteboard (laughs) a picture of this whiteboard in an NYU Tisch classroom that has like words all over it from when they were coming up with the concept for the movie Bottoms so it's like they went to NYU together yeah those two oh I didn't know they're like classmates wait Rachel Sennett and Ayo and a Barry I'm pretty sure wait fuck no maybe it might have been um the Seligman Emma Seligman Seligman. yeah oops never mind anyway they were like in the they were locked in a classroom working on this shit you know like they're definitely extremely high functioning people. yeah like that's the thing about the writer's room is it's always kids who like went to harvard and yale yeah right so it's like people it is that like a tryhardism are trying really hard mm-hmm. and are working really long hours to make a joke work and that sort of approach yeah. to it that's so true as we don't do that, just so you know. Well, we're doing it right yeah. now, re-recording. We've been accused. <laughs> you know, we're re-recording. This is like the best ever. We we try to pretend that if there was a transcript people, we had, we'd 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 re- read off of it right now would, yeah. Yeah. and put in canned laughter. <laughs> 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 to be honest, yeah. um, we deny the accusations that we have producers that feed us research information. <laughs> Actually, Lauren Michaels is. Lauren Michaels is Lauren Michaels is my father. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. What do you guys want to talk about next? Um. Um, Maybe let's take a look. Um. Renee Rapp. Okay. Renee Rapp Rapp is, or or just generally. Oh wait, this is where we started last time. Musicals, the movie, the musical type of thing. Like. Oh yeah, musicals. Yeah. There's a few notable ones. Wicked, which stars Mm -hmm. Ethan Slater and Ariana Grande. Yeah, Wonka, which is not necessarily like a musical, the musical, the movie, but it is a musical. And then our favorite, so the first movie was also a musical, but it just had songs in it. Well, yes, yeah. But this one is one of those ones where we're going to talk about like the surprise musical effect. Mm-hmm. Like people are just shocked by these recent major box office, I guess, potentials being musicals. And then Mean Girls, starring Renee Rapp as Regina George. Mean Girls, I think, was the one that shocked people the most in terms of its musicalness. But we found out that they tried to, like, Illuminati it by putting a music note inside of the A. Yeah. And the Mean Girls type on the poster for the movie. Yeah, and in the, I guess, title card of the trailer. Because the yeah. trailer had Get Him Back by Olivia Rodrigo in it. So people, I don't know. I think just people didn't know what was going to happen. Thank you. Yeah. It's kind of insidious in the same way that the plot of Bottoms is that they're the two lesbians are doing self-defense classes to maybe bed a cheerleader where it's like, we're going to trick people into coming to this musical by not telling them that yeah. it's a musical. Like, it is kind of odd like that we have such a stigma. Well, I mean, I yeah, I definitely don't think I would have seen either of those movies if I knew they were musicals but I feel like it's been a bit destigmatized to me now but who's really loving movie musicals I think like even when I saw Wonka mm-hmm. in a theater full of like enthusiastic participants every time a song came on we just all were like 
next track you know what I mean we were all just like mm-hmm. really not into it like is it a streaming thing like do musical movies make more money because they're able to profit off Those who's songs? listening to Timothy Chalamet's chocolate song you know what I mean? <laughs> on streaming maybe it's like an IP thing because they make a movie like Wonka in hopes that it'll be like kind of there'll be a Broadway adaptation or something. I don't know. I think there's probably a lot of like boring decisions behind it. Like Mean Girls, the musical was a success, right? So like, what if we made that with the same actress off Broadway in a Hollywood film? But then everyone else was in a musical. Like from what I understand, like Renee Rapp originated the role of Regina George on Broadway, possibly. And everyone else in the movie is not musically trained. So everyone's so making brought fun of like, to mug everybody. She vocally mogged everyone. She vocally mogs. But then like I just get all these TikToks of people comparing the original Mean Girls soundtrack to the movie soundtrack and it's the same songs but the original songs mog so hard because they're so full of theater kid energy and like yes. melting and screaming yeah. and yeah. vocal acrobatics and like they're there for a reason. Yeah. But I think it's because of the like shame that they had about it being a musical like it just they, it seemed like they tried to tone down the songs or like make them a little bit more poppy or like less musical theatery. But yeah. everyone was like, okay, like we're already here watching a musical. Like if you're going to do it, like don't try to like Olivia Rodrigo ify this musical theater song. Oh, that's the worst. Whenever they try to, they try to popify. What they've done to the songs is essentially like taken, like stripped them down, but not in an acoustic way. So it, it sounds like very tinned, like garage band beats. It's really mm. weird. Okay. I also think I was just thinking about who Olivia Rodrigo could be in Mean Girls, and I don't know of anyone, but Janice kind of looked like her in the original. <laughs> Janice, yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of she, thinking Janice that. Janice is kind of like, waiting. Oh, um, what the hell? No, she's Karen. She's Karen because of her big boob. She does. Does she have big boobs? She has, Olivia no, Rodrigo has, has big, big boobs. boobs. Yes, yeah, she does. She has big boobs. Oh, yeah, I think we talked is, about this in the Olivia Rodrigo episode. She has big boobs. Yeah, I don't know why we talked about that but. because it's it's. She notably has big boobs. Yeah, I think she just was wearing a lot of Vivian Westwood corsets. They were getting pushed up in a way, but good for her. Um, is big, but no. But also, I think she was. She kind of does like that creepy, like fake ditzy thing sometimes. Like she when she goes eyes crazy. really wide. Yeah. yeah, and she has long hair and likes to flip and, it. And her whole past album, most recent album, was kind of about being like lobotomy, yeah, girl sort of thing. Uh, the the <laughs> Those songs are scary. They're scary. The one where she says I'm grateful all, all the, time. the time. I'm happy when I cry or something. Yeah. There's another one that's like literally one of the worst things I've ever heard <laughs> where she says like, it's about a girl named Lacey. She's like, Lacey, oh, Lacey skin, like puff pastry. <laughs> Which is just like, has me one of the worst. That has me a song from Wonka. <laughs> yeah. There's a song in Wonka called Noodle Noodle Apple Strudel. <laughs> Lacey, oh, Lacey skin, like puff pastry. Um, I'm sensing some plagiarism. <laughs> I'm feeling like Ethan Slater. Um, the first thing I ever saw about the Mean Girls movie was people criticizing it on Twitter because they were talking about how ugly Gen Z girls are. Yeah, that was hard. I mean, people were like, why does this movie look like this? And then they were like, oh, guys, because it's a musical. But then everyone was like, wait, why would it have to look this bad, though? Yeah, I saw a lot of Twitter fashion people saying, like, here's what I would dress them in if I it's had like the right... It's like a full head-to-toe oh, yeah. blue marine look And I'm like, no, that's what I mean. It, I hate... I, I don't... The revisionism sucks as well. Like, they're... 
suggestions aren't very good but at the same time mm-hmm. the the costumes really did fall short yeah. for this and our our queen really did put her bossy pants on miss tina fey because she came to the defense of a lot of these decisions and said hey, i don't care yeah she said i don't give a fuck about what you think and she was like essentially like millennials like i know you think that this thing belongs to you and that any reinterpretation of it is never going to be good enough for you but the thing is i actually invented mean girls so it's my turn she said i own the ip she literally said i am the copyright holder so (laughs) y'all can worry about that yeah the costuming i actually can't defend that i mean like they're literally wearing hideous obviously cheap clothing yeah a lot of the time why didn't they get Heidi Bivens to costume design know. it? She's the costume designer of Euphoria. And she obviously has ideas about how to dress teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> and she's very talented. And I feel like it could have been fantastical. I mean, like, it's a musical. Like, I don't know why they would do a musical, but then make the song strip back and make the production value just seem, like, a little bit off. They also just felt so hesitant about their references to Y2K. Yeah. Because we're obviously on kind of like the somewhat downswing of Y2K in general. Mm -hmm. So they either could have like tried to do something else or really doubled down on it and done it in a really like fabulous way, but they didn't do either of those things. I just think about Renee Rapp wearing those like Hillary Clinton-esque pastel like trousers that she wears with like a corset on the outside of the top. Yeah, oh my god um but we we like renee rap's singing voice and we think that she really knows how to sing and that she does voice mog yeah very talented vocalist she is <laughs> yeah beautiful she gowns. is she beautiful, beautiful, gowns. Gowns. <laughs> beautiful gowns she's like the opposite of beautiful gowns like she not a gown in sight for her but um yeah beautiful voice and shouldn't yeah. that be enough you know shouldn't we have to not do lesbian themed press junket <laughs> we fucking got that like i was sorry i'm not i'm not gonna get into it <laughs> i was about to rage <laughs> yeah no the I, rest of renee Rav right the rest of renee Rav. oh my god well none of us can sing so we don't uh, have any girl speak for yourself i'm just speak kidding yourself. okay well I know you guys should have seen it on every episode. <laughs> both of you. Um, <laughs> Me and Alexia both sang on here, so people... Memories. The people <laughs> like them, literally. <laughs> but I definitely am interested in her fandom because I see a lot of edits that are titled something like Renee Rapp having no PR training for 10 minutes straight. But yeah. it's people... Her, it's her saying kind of audacious things in press interviews and people really enjoying it. But I think it's very unflattering i think it's something about her gaze like actually like she has like the she has like a billy she looks like billy eilish but in a not yeah. quite right way yeah kind of yeah, i think it's like way. immediately when the mean girls trailer dropped there's like a clip of her saying like get in bitch we're going shopping like iconic line obviously mm-hmm. but her delivery of it and just the way that she was looking was like why are you delivering this line with like irony or something like it just was so weird to me and that's, yeah, her Regina George characteristics were not passing, I, I would say. She does yeah, seem and, kind and of every, mean. In every, in every interview, she's, like, slouching and, like, has her, her legs, legs spread open. Spread. And I'm sure it's just to bait people into being, like, lesbians literally can't sit in a chair normally, which is, like, <laughs> real Tumblr throwback. But Yeah, um, they're really trying to anoint her as, like, a post-boy genius. Uh, yeah, the vacancy's l- open, but... Lesbian queen. I say we elect a real lesbian and not like a bisexual. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, Renee Rapp says she's lesbian. 
No, but she's bisexual and she talks about being bisexual. No, she's trying to come out as a lesbian lesbian. No, I listened to her on Call Her Daddy and she, oh. she, she's one of those queer women who's always like, I'm a, le- I'm gay, I'm gay. And then, yeah. and then Alex Cooper was like, so what does that mean? And she was like, I'm bi. <laughs> which is fine, which is fine. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. I, I definitely think it'd be cool to see I, I think she's a proud to, lesbian yeah. uh, be the front woman of musical theater. She's trying to escape the male gaze for sure. I think that's what she's trying to do because it has not been kind to her. Been kind to her. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Which by that we mean people, so she was cast as Regina George, was a big deal. And she talked about on the episode of Call Her Daddy that she's a curvier lady and that she had a struggle with a really bad eating disorder while performing in the, the musical. And they basically amended her costumes, did an alteration on them to like cover up her legs or something like that. So I think it, she's had some like bad experiences with how her her body's been treated as a young woman in the public eye. Yeah, and um, also the Regina George role is like literally about a really skinny girl who gains weight. So yeah. I think it's like a very weight sensitive it role. It totally is. So I think that brought more attention to her size and its fluctuations. Yeah, yeah. But I wish her the best. Yeah, no hard feelings, Renee. We need to talk about her evil... Well, not her evil twin, but the other R in the situation, Rachel Zegler. Oh, yeah. I like Rachel mm. Zegler a lot. But we all saw her perform in The Hunger Games, uh, The Ballad of Songbirds. Which was a musical Snakes, in a way. Which was kind it of was a, musical a musical because... It was, also, it was a surprise musical too. But in a really fabulous way. Yeah. Yeah, I did see, I did see some people being like me every time Rachel Zegler started singing. And a, like a negative reaction? Yeah, or? and then like, not even tomatoes, but just being like, oh, here we go again. But I think it's because... Maybe it didn't have, it was like diegetic. I don't know. I feel like I use that word incorrectly all the time. It's like when music happens in a movie or TV show and it's like built into it and it's like something Mm. that's actually happening. Like she's genuinely singing all the time. Yeah. And it's not like a musical number. No. It just happens to be something that the character does a a lot. Yeah. I I like her, uh, her approach to musical theater. I do too. I mean, her whole thing is that she relentlessly was terrorizing the world with clips of her singing <laughs> about every song on the planet. And the thing is, she does have a beautiful voice, but these were like iPhone videos of her She's belting so in Miranda like a bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she a- applied to Steven Spielberg's open casting on call Twitter for West Side Story, and that's how she mogged her way to the top. And but then she got cast as Snow White. And then everyone started hating her because she had a similar kind of like Gen Z diffidence. Is that a word? Rebellion against the role in this traditional sense. Yeah, she seemed ungrateful, I guess, or a bit disdainful of the Disney system, which not really a system I would want to go up against if I were a young woman. Um, Because like people just like wanted to cancel her and they were just like, uh, like, you stupid little girl. Yeah. But then she vocally mogged everyone in the Hunger Games. She's also the only character that sings, but she's a really, really, really good singer. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I think R- Rachel Zegler, when I see her, I'm like, oh, you're obviously meant to be famous. Yeah. But then it's not in a meant to be famous type of like Lily Rose Depp way where you just look amazing, even though she's really beautiful. Yeah. But when you see her tiny bones and her giant head and her huge voice that comes out of her tiny body. Mm-hmm. It's like so obvious that she was meant to be famous. But also mm-hmm. like not famous. Like I literally 
I don't want to follow her on Instagram. I don't want to know no, anything about her no. personal life. Like, I just, like, would pay money to see her saying. Like, yeah. I don't want to wear her outfits. We need more people like that. I think that's kind yeah. of why the music industry is kind of flopping. It's because they've tried to sell personality over mm, product. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it just really feels like the music industry has started to lean into personality. And that's why I feel like we discussed this in the last episode where the music industry doesn't feel as strong anymore. This was recorded before UMG took off all of their music from TikTok. So... I feel like we were vindicated in our assumption that the music industry is kind of experiencing a crisis right now, but it feels like Hollywood and movies and visual media in that sense, like television is really making a strong comeback. Whereas in the past, people were not engaging with it as much. It was a lot more formulaic. I think with the streaming model, it created kind of a new system of tropes that people became really exhausted by. They all felt very like kind of lab-grown television shows and movies that had no deep human impact on people. And this past year has been a really great year for movies and people have been engaging with them in a way that we haven't seen since far before the pandemic. Because I feel like movies and TV shows were flopping before the pandemic. No, Oscars last year was pretty dramatic, but it was also... Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, It didn't feel to me... What happened last year at the Oscars? Was that the... That's when everything everywhere when... like swept every category and it was a real... Oh, yeah. But it's for them. I didn't really like that movie, but... Yeah, I yeah. feel like the the first like viral Oscar moment in a very long time happened when... I forget his name. Will Smith. Um, one... <laughs> no, no. Oh, was that... Was that... Is that then? That was the Oscar slap, yeah. That was... Uh, yeah, that, that was, was a really two? weird moment. No, Kehu Kwan won... Yeah, that was last year. Best actor. That was like a viral Oscar speech. But weirdly enough, I don't think that the Will Smith slap was iconic or really even that memorable. Like it was too weird. Mm. Like there's been plenty of like weird <laughs> award show moments, right? Like award show flops, award show meltdowns. But like that one was just so weird and took it so far that I think everyone just like collectively erased it and stopped engaging with it. I think it's because it's only good if the weirdness like follows the program. You know what I mean? Like get on stage and be weird when it's your turn like if he like won an award and then slapped him it's just like also but Jada I mean, and Will aren't like mysterious enough because she has her talk she's show she's such a yapper it's she's just a yapper, yapper really. but like she's example, a yapper, if, like yeah. Tom Cruise did something weird on stage it'd be so much more impactful that's true imagine if he slapped someone on stage <laughs> yeah it would be cooler if he did but then even like with the Kanye moment and stuff that was such an iconic memorable thing but I keep forgetting that Will Smith did that and like if anything, like my unconscious is like repressing the memory of Will Smith altogether. <laughs> PTSD. Yeah. Like, like I don't really made know fun why. of celebrities for being like that was really scary and like unacceptable behavior. But like, <laughs> if you were there, you would be scared too. It was just weird. Like, it, it just was very odd behavior. It was odd and unsettling. That's, it was like uncanny valley. It's your, valley, it's your you know? wonderful um, idea that the domestic space is where a lot of cultural wars are take, coming out. Cause I feel like looking at how much people are obsessed with the intricacies of Jada and Will's relationship, and Will's and their domestic life together. It feels like that was like a really weird snap. Yeah. Something also just came out where she was like, when that happened, that was the first time she realized in a long time, like, that's my man. And I was like, okay, why did you guys all get us involved in this? Like, no! are you kidding? <laughs> You cannot, like, I, I seriously don't so think stupid. you can, like, love your partner and talk about your relationship this openly when, no, you know, people yeah. have such strong opinions on it. Yeah. It's, it's 
So yeah, I mean, that's I like the whole meme is everyone's like, girl, we didn't ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it really does feel like that was the the nexus like moment when the domestic space became the source of the new culture war, which I just think that is so damaging. Like it really it does have such deep repercussions in people's lives. I don't know. I'm not going to go on a rant about this. I just want to see Britney and Madonna kiss on stage. I know. Yeah, I feel like Rachel Sennett would be something like that. Oh yeah, she would. And she'd like do a split afterwards. <laughs> yeah, they're just so like, <laughs> you know, like. Um, it was the yeah. Grammys last night. It was. It show was. And uh, Alex Earl went wearing 2007 McQueen bias coat silk dress. Just came up my my feed. But so, someone who is like, the who doesn't have full theater kid energy, but always will, is Taylor Swift. And I think we saw a negative side come out of this last night with her, what she wore. Like she, I have never heard, I haven't seen someone's, look be so heavily criticized as it was last night she does have like a rachel berry thing about her but i think something about her is like even her being all over lana and stuff i think that she's way too self-aware to ever truly be a theater kid because she's even aware of her coming off as trying too hard Mm. and theater kids don't have that self-awareness you know so i feel like her being all over lana was like she's like oh people are starting to think i'm like really weird and lowbrow because i'm dating travis kelsey i'm gonna start aggressively befriending someone with a cool factor at a public Mm. award show. Yeah, I also think that her bad styling at this point, like, it is a decision to be bad. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, she's missed again. I, like, think that she's intentionally off target every time because I think she's, like, that Machiavellian that she's, like, this drives so much engagement. Like, people begging me to slay and me not giving it to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine how you could be at that level and still not look good in public, like, every time. Yeah. It has to be a concerted effort. By Taylor Especially, at, yeah, at her at yeah. her level. Because I feel like there's something to say about celebrities who want to be salt of the earth and are like, oh, I just got this at Dillard's or something. But she's genuinely choosing people to style her in she this chose manner. Flop. She chose yeah. to flop. She did. And it's like a victim thing, honestly, guys. Well, I don't want to start talking about Taylor Swift age. Yeah, no. But we That's... can talk about one of her contemporaries, Ariana Grande. Yeah, let's get into that. I really liked how last episode, the last episode recording, <laughs> Alexi said that Ethan Slater had this sort of cheese energy. <laughs> <laughs> the cheesiness um, radiating out of him is just crazy. He's an oily sheen yeah. on yeah. his skin. Yeah, some, Simon's basically really dry and creamy. <laughs> yeah, and he needs to brush his teeth. And there's there is something yellowish about his energy. Um, I mean, that's why feel- he was cast as SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> A SpongeBob, yeah, it's true. He has something about him that just exudes Swiss cheese, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't even think we need to recap this. TLDR, Ariana Grande fell in love with Ethan Slater, a musical theater actor who (laughs) has a wife and a kid, but is also, like, two feet tall and... Looks just like Ariana's brother. Yeah, looks just like Frankie Grande. He looks like Frankie Grande, I forgot about that. yeah. You know, we talked about this yesterday. I guess I can stop saying that because we can just keep repeating ourselves. But (laughs) Uh, the thing is, we've talked about theater kids' sexuality and eroticism. There's, 
you know, if you've ever been a part of a musical theater production, you know that there are these like dynamics that continually will happen between the one straight guy who does musical theater and every other woman vying for his attention. And when the forces link up and the stars align and that couple becomes real, like they become unstoppable. Divine. Yeah. He's the Mac Daddy. Yeah. Yeah. And so that appears to have happened, but I think what's just not accessible to any of us in the public is what is going on with Ethan Slater that makes him attractive? Because, you know, if it was his raw talent, all we have to see is him doing the worm across the stage <laughs> and doing like a SpongeBob laugh. Like that's literally all that's there. Oh my God. And yeah. Ariana Grande, I, you did some good like psychoanalysis of her re- pertaining to her dating history, Sam, I think. I did? Oh, yeah. Um, here, About let me, her, like, give me... Big, her daddy issues, I think. Oh, she definitely has daddy issues because I feel like she... We were trying, we were like aggressively trying to figure out what the difference between daddy issues and mommy <laughs> issues were last episode. Neither of us, none of us have them. Yeah, we None of have us have them, hardly. Yeah, we have healthy attachment styles, we do. But I think Ariana Grande definitely has some sort of daddy issues thing because she's got the classic BPD thing where she shot sabotages all of her relationships because she's so afraid of abandonment that she forces it to kind of like occur or it's like to exert some sort of control over her fear of abandonment. She forces people to abandon her by cheating. And then Ethan Slater, definitely mommy issues because I think we came to the conclusions that that, um, mommy mommy issue. It's a mommy. Yeah. Because daddy issues is about abandonment and about lacking protection and seeking it in kind of uh, nefarious places. And mommy issues is about, needing affection and validation and when you have mommy issues you have this sort of like overachieving thing or underachieving right where it's like if you have like a helicopter mother you were you were a anxious self-aware person but you're an underachiever and if you have a distant cold mother you're an anxious self-aware person but an overachiever so theater kids are the overachieving kind their mothers are distant and cold. I'm not a psychoanalyst. I just made all that up like last week, yeah, but, but I feel like sense. it's right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Their relationship, highly questionable, really not good for her from a PR perspective. Stinky. Because people literally think she's insane. Mm-hmm. She also has a very strange visual at the moment and has also just released a song that only serves to further alienate her from her audiences. Her titled. visual is also giving cheese. Like, don't you think? Yeah. No, people the are cheese, saying they he gave look her the cheese touch. He gave yeah, people, her the cheese touch. People are saying that they look alike as well. So there's all she these. She's starting to become like a bit pallid and contoured. Like, yeah. a block of cheese could be. Like a block of cheese. <laughs> like a rind of cheese. A rind, yeah. Yeah. She's the rind to his center. I, I just, I, I seriously don't think we've seen. Uh, a visual that looks so mentally ill in recent years besides like Amanda uh, Amanda Bynes in terms of her being like she's still very Ariana always is wearing makeup she's always wearing glam but still you can just like feel something is off in her life yeah because of how poorly her her hair matches her skin tone and how how thin she is as well yeah and then picture and then you'll see this tiny cheesy woman coming out of a giant SUV (laughs) and then He's there, bowing behind her. Nike sweatpants. (laughs) Wearing Nike sweatpants. And she's wearing, like, 
little skirt suit or something is so sick. And it's and, Christmas Eve. And it's Christmas Eve. Yeah, <laughs> it's Christmas Eve. And they've come back to New Jersey. There's where he's probably also from, to be honest. Yeah. So Ariana Grande is like a lifelong theater kid. That's kind of how she got her start. And also, I think she got her start in Le- Les Miserables as well. Really? Yeah. Whoa. You're joking. Was Maybe she like was the Nick little Jonas. girl? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jonas? No, I don't know. Who who doesn't get their start in Les yeah. Miserables as a starving yeah. child? This also seems to go without saying, but I mean, the reason a lot of theater kids are existing in our culture and reach such high levels of fame is because of like the child star system and the fact that a lot of children are groomed into being triple threats in their youth and so many current celebrities come from the Nickelodeon Disney pipeline where those traits are highly valued from a young age so Ariana Grande, yeah. Um, okay, yes, and that's her new song. Mm-hmm. She that is so theater kid. It's like so yeah. Theater first of all, that's literally the first yes rule and. of improv is to say yes and. So I don't know if that's a subtle nod to the the theater to the NIMPA alumni. <laughs> yeah. So she's being a bit theatrical with that. It's also a gay sounding song. Like it, I think it's supposed to sound like Vogue mm. because it has that same kind of like chanty club driven beats mm-hmm. to it like it has like a commandments like ballroom style affect mm-hmm. to it and the message is essentially just id gaff and you know i don't care about what you think and it's delivered in this way that first of all it has the same melody as you can't stop the beat from hairspray second of all she is in the music video in a dance studio with a bunch of hotties and they're all wearing their theater blacks. She's wearing a ballet core, kind of Bob Fosse-inspired costume of leotard, etc. And the choreography is very exacting and controlled. And I don't know, it seems to express everything that's wrong with her. Because like she seems like this person who, I think she's trying to give off a vibe of being like extremely precise and controlled and stable. I mean, she's even like, I feel like she makes these like extended posts being like, stop worrying about me being skinny. We need to stop commenting on women's bodies, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, mental health. But it's like, it's like every three months as well. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it, it seems like a downward spiral being channeled through this like weird production mm-hmm. schedule. I don't know. It's yeah, been hard to a, watch in it. It's been difficult. I'm really losing in the Stan Wars this year because I was a very big fan of Ariana Grande's music and a big fan of Nicki Minaj. I was a big barb and <laughs> they've made it very difficult for me to stand them. Dare I say impossible. So I'm, I'm ejecting myself from, from Stan culture personally. I was thinking about this yesterday. You know how men are like really into sports betting? Yeah. There needs to be a betting platform, but for stands, like, I mean, there's so much. You're like, so you should be able right. to bet on chart positions. Wow. But it's a, I think it's too that's too easy to manipulate, you know. Yeah, that's especially true. like the easily... fact that you how how much you can mobilize Stanhood. You yeah, know, someone like... who did mass streaming for BTS. Um, mm-hmm. It really is easy to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of like insider trading vibes, or just yeah. like pump and dump. Yeah, let's pump and dump Sabrina Carpenter. I actually saw that happen. <laughs> what does pump and dump mean? It's like with crypto and stocks and stuff. If you if a bunch of people just buy a bunch of something and then the price skyrockets and then it goes down okay 
a lot because people just buy and sell really quickly. Mm-hmm. Sabrina Carpenter mm-hmm. doesn't have theater kids energy, does she? Well, she was on Disney. She was on Disney. She has and she a is bit always of it. wearing a tutu. And, and I feel like all theater kids that came from the Disney space have this sort of bobblehead type physiognomy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's it might be a malnourished issue. Yeah, like they definitely should. Both, yeah. Yeah. Like Yeah, she is like short. She's very poly pocket. And her mm-hmm. styling, I think, is what people wanted from the Mean Girls movie. Like people are loving her style, which she wears those naked wolf. It's like every day, or the Versace ones. They probably stink. I the poly pocketness of her body and clothing. I don't know. It feels unique somehow. It does. Like I feel like a lot of people dress like that, but wait, Madison Beer type bodies, Mm -hmm. which are like more long and lithe. She literally is the shape of our microphone. <laughs> like we have this like little short microphone. That's pink. That's pink in front of us. We dressed it up like her. This is something that I was gonna say mm-hmm. regarding music and its flopage. Um, Renee Rapp also went from like accomplished theater kid who was more of like a niche interest. Like anyone who was into musical theater knew who she was, and she was like a superstar in that world. That she tried to cross over into pop music with this album called Snow Angel. And it was why really... is it called that? I don't know. It came out around Christmas? Oh. But it's not a Christmas album. I just never get an angelic energy from her. I know, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The cover is really weird. It's like a photo of her as a child. child. Mm. Yeah. I think she's, I don't know. I think it. She's difficult to like because she does give classic industry plant in an odd way. I don't know. I to, to me, I just don't know if she has that natural star power. But I guess I'm operating in a non theater kid mentality when I say natural. Over so bad, like her music well, didn't like the, carry like the any of the thing, energy of her amazing know? of her amazing singing. Well, it's like the egot thing, right? Like she's vying for the egot, like any true theater kid. Would want I think to do. what is wrong is that she's always this is looking at her photos and I'm looking over her shoulder. She's always like really glammed up, but then trying to take pictures where she looks messy mm-hmm. and disheveled. But it's like, girl, yeah. I know a beach wave when I see it. Like you sticking yeah. your tongue out and like doing the middle finger in every photo and like trying to look like your hair is messed up in a digital flash photo. It ain't working for me, girl. Yeah, she's always screaming or doing some kind of face a. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a career shift for her when she got a, a shallot, like a shaggy mullet. Yeah. And she's really doubling down on that. But I would li- listen to her, like, musical theater record. She yeah, me too. That. But, you know, I think probably there's just so much pressure on these women to expand their careers yeah. into different territories. But, you know, I never did that. Mia Michelle. True. So true. Which shout yeah. out to her. We respect her for that because she really didn't even want to take a minor role in a, anything else. She just went straight from Glee to writing books, actually, about herself. And <laughs> then back to Broadway where yeah. she flourished. I mean, she didn't really want anything besides that. And then... And I'm sure there were a lot of stuff offered to her as well. Yeah, people like to see her and stuff. But also maybe the whole thing of her like reputation of being hard to work with is real. But but I think that's very Barbara Streisand of her, who is, of course, her number one icon, who 
she models a lot of her career after, I think. Well, not necessarily in the sense that she doesn't want to be acting, but I did think that the funny girl drama that was occurring was interesting because I guess um, Jonah Hill's sister was playing the main character in Funny Girl. Yeah, and everybody was very upset about that because that was Leah Michelle's dream. I don't know if she ever expressed interest in doing that. I think people kind of like assumed that that was like her dream role just because of how... I kind of feel like it is, though. I think she's talked about it. No, yeah. It's really, really meta, though, because it's like thing about a thing about a thing. Like, Funny Girl, from what I understand, is about a girl who wants to be a Broadway star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Leah Michelle herself is this like Broadway star. The narrative that people have applied to the situation of like, this is her dream come true every night. She's living her dream. Like she, this is it. It has musical theater feel to it just because of how oversimplified it is. Um, and how her eyes are shining with tears every night. It just all is, yeah. I mean, this is like my issue with musical theater. I just find it a bit, I mean, everyone thinks this like a bit corny because like Mm -hmm. it's really hard to express nuance in that medium, I think, because everything has to be like big and obvious. And I, I just really think it's, it doesn't feel like a realistic expression of, of emotions, but I mean, I think um, I, I think some of Bob Fosse's stuff is very much mm, complex. I don't know. Like, I think that Bob Fosse type theater in the 70s had some sort of complexity to it. And it did have eroticism, even though it's been de-eroticized by generations that came after who whose dream was to star in a chorus line or something. But... I do think there is like a moment where musical theater almost was a complex art form, but I think it's kind of the same way that like in the seventies porn was almost like a truly cinematic medium, you know what I mean? Where it just wasn't ever going to happen, but there was a few people who were trying really hard to make it happen. And Bob Fosse was one of them. Yeah, trying they bravely. Maybe that's yeah. like Renee when Renee Rapp wanted to make an album. Yeah, because so she, she has like her true feelings. I want to talk about my true feelings and not such such on the nose pointed expressions. Okay, I will say that like as someone who's on stand Twitter, everyone's always making fun of her lyrics because they're very like boy bye, but in a way that I can't even begin to explain. Like, I I could totally see that. Yeah, yeah. I could see her like doing something where she like kick, kicks out like kicks her leg out but not like in a Sabrina Carpenter way yeah like kicking a man away true mm-hmm. the class issue of musical theater it's also something that I think is really important to understanding its audience like to grow up experiencing musical theater I think is kind of like a privilege uh, especially like seeing it at like a good level because it's not something that's cheap and it's something that you have to kind of be in a city to do. I mean, like touring musical theater, like professional musical theater. Of course, you can see like community theater productions around. But I just remember like all the true theater kids that I knew, like their parents were like driving them to Atlanta to see like a production of Wicked every weekend for some reason. Um, and I think it really appeals to middle class sensibilities because it's like you feel this prestige of going to experience live performance, which is something that is associated with 
a lost time and you're like supporting these true like people who are masters of their craft in a direct way and it just feels classy to go to the theater but also the content for me always falls short like I don't know the most you can feel is like excitement and awe and wonder I guess that is an amazing thing to feel but it's kind of like watching a Disney movie you know Mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think it's like I don't know I don't know if it's as cut and dry about the class thing with it because I think it is kind of like a complex kind of like all-american activity it does feel like a very American transcendent activity thing, I, I do think it is like a minority interest yeah your gay uncle to do like most I think like the percentage of Americans that have seen a live professional production of a Broadway musical can't be more than like 20. Yeah, I think the percentage. Really yeah, low. no, you're you're kind of right about that. But that is something that like um I feel like if you're just like an average Joe who's going to New York City on like a family trip, like that's definitely something that you're gonna do mm-hmm. is like go see a Broadway show because mm, yeah, I don't know. There that's what randomly my dad this. was like telling me this like crazy story about him like living in the basement of the Waldorf Astoria for like eight months for fucking some fucking reason like, he I don't know why yeah he was in the janitor's quarters on a Murphy bed what? apparently yeah I don't know why he was in New York I don't know he was telling me this like crazy story and like he was telling it so quickly that I couldn't interject and ask questions about the context but he said that he had nothing to do in New York and didn't know anybody so he would go see Broadway shows every single day and my dad did does famously love Broadway yeah musical theater I mean I live in the theater district so I see the faces of theater fans every day as they line up for Ethan Slater to come out of Spamalot which is currently on Broadway Monty Python production, it would seem. I just, there is, yeah, I don't know. My, my hatred of musical theater, I mean, that's not like an uncommon position. And I don't hate it. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Hamilton, unfortunately. I actually really about, like musical theater yeah. as like a medium. Like, can we write a good I think musical? Like, can we write one that's cool? I feel like we could do it. I think we have a lot of space for it. I just think that... Us? Us three? I've always wanted yeah. to do a jukebox musical. Yeah. Yeah, I think we Claro's could do a jukebox musical. Music. Claire. It's no, like the songs have really good narratives, like walking out the door with your bags. I think we could do it if we tried. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be good. I think we could make it into something really big. The thing is, is um it's a real place for like savants. Because yeah. there's always like I don't really know. That's what I was wondering about, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda is, like, how did he even get his show on Broadway? Like, there is, like, a lot of mystery behind the actual mechanics of Broadway, which I appreciate because I feel like we're kind of overeducated as a society about the machinations of the music industry and the movie industry and the television industry. And we've literally created these meta shows like 30 Rock and stuff about what it's like in the SNL writer's room or whatever. But Broadway is just, like, shrouded in mystery to Mm -hmm. me, like, how do you even write a play? How who do you show give it to? This, actually. Who, who puts it? Who puts it on the stage? Like who is doing this? Like who do you give your? I don't know. I like that. I really like how. I think the roles are the same, mystery. but there aren't really any famous Broadway producers. I don't know if that's true, but yeah, I, I get what you mean. Um, I think that 
life imitates art for the theater kids a lot of the time because they idolize these like Fanny Bryce-esque characters or like these unstoppable characters like um, Alexander Hamilton. Like I feel like every theater protagonist or musical theater protagonist is like some type of young scrappy like uh, person that will just be like, I just need a chance, you know, someone who's beating the odds and someone who is triumphant at the end. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think they apply that to themselves and then I can just see Lin-Manuel Miranda like spotting someone that he knows is a influential theater person on the subway and being like sir like I just want a chance bro just one song just read this just read this script please yeah just doing some kind of crazy elevator pitch performance of rapping and having papers falling out of his bag and shit which yeah I was saying last episode how like I feel like I imagine him um like how Bobby Shmurda was trying to get a record deal, kind of dancing on the conference table in front of a bunch of people in suits. That was a musical theater moment when Bobby Shmurda did that. Like that belongs in a musical production on Broadway. And I love that that happened because it, (laughs) it was very whimsical when Bobby Shmurda did that. Um, Hamilton is also a self-insert. Like Lin-Manuel Miranda like wrote the role for himself and like kind of wrote everything around that. Because I think he like identified with Hamilton. Didn't you say that he read Christopher Hitchens' biography of Alexander I Hamilton? Think that's and that's true. what inspired. Yeah. That's crazy. That's so funny. Yeah, I was about to start reading Christopher Hitchens' biography of Alexander Hamilton because I was thing like, "There's a musical you can watch that'll summarize it for you." Yeah, that's true. Also, what else? Okay, Spring Awakening is a good musical that Leah Michelle was also in with Jonathan Groff, mm-hmm. where. There was a whole documentary made about it that was actually mm. really good where she talks about how she... There were clips from this that went viral because everyone was like, this is such the quintessential like theater kid, girl and gay dynamic. But she didn't know that Jonathan Groff was gay. He hadn't come out yet. And so she was basically constantly begging him to have sex with her. <laughs> in the clips? No, in, in her retelling. In okay, like the interview, okay, she's okay, like, okay. I just didn't know. I just wanted him to love me. And like, I loved him so much. And... Then he he comes out to her only because he's like, sorry, I'm not rejecting you. I'm gay. And then for some reason, he looks at her vagina. What? Yeah, there's like a funny clip about it because I think he just wants to see one. And she's like, I would do anything for you. That's a classic girl and gay story. Yeah. It's like, show me your... I always hear stories (laughs) like that for some reason about gay guys asking to see girls' vaginas and girls being down. We need to stop doing that. I feel like we're past that. Google images exist for a fucking reason. <laughs> don't, don't ask your straight best friend to see her vagina, gay guys. Like, like literally. Especially if you know that Anyways. she's in love with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah, what might be going on. So he wanted to see an aroused vagina. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but Spring Awakening is actually okay. I take back everything I said about musical theater because that musical is so good. It's literally about... There's a lot of really good musicals. No, I really want to. But in it, there's like this explicit... It was really controversial because like she... Leah Michelle like explicitly has sex kind of on the stage. Like there's a really intense like simulated sex that goes on for a long time on this like elevated platform bed that like rises up above the stage. <laughs> and then she gets pregnant. You know what I kind of miss is like... I miss whenever actors tried to transition into Girl, onto the theater. I can tell you like, that happens all the time because I live on the street. No, Sarah I Paulson know. is a musical on my I know, road. But, but I miss when people took that seriously and were like, Hugh oh Jackman. my God, like he is so... Or, or Hugh Jackman is He's just, so brave. 
Hugh Hugh Jackman is just a musical theater kid. Like he, (laughs) he's a gay man trapped in a straight man's body. But I think I really miss whenever whenever actors, in order to signal a sense of like seriousness and almost like an academic treatment of their craft, they went and debuted on on the Broadway stage and like Fences or like Death of a Salesman or like like Twelve Angry Men or something. You know, every actor does it. Like Amelia Clark who was in Game of Thrones. She was just in a big production here in London. It just happens all the time. Yeah. Um, wait. Yeah. No, the no that's what I'm saying. Is, yeah. It was not Paul as common. Paul Mescal is actually coming to New yeah. York to do Streetcar Named Desire. To do Rock Out With Your Caca. Musical. To do Running Away From Girls in the Park, the musical. There is like a Rock Out With Your Caca musical. Because I remember that there is a musical like that. Because I remember when Daniel Radcliffe stopped doing Harry Potter. He transitioned to this theater musical production where his cock was out. Yeah, do you remember this? When you were saying people used to take this seriously, I'm like, yeah, they did. Because Daniel is in movies anymore oh you'd ask him he did that alan ginsburg movie um i think zach efron should come to broadway yeah i'm sure he has he he started on no 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 no. girl because i saw high school musical live and he can't sing so they had to replace him with someone else on the national tour he actually he he, dubbed the whole movie yeah the person who sings for him is this guy called he was i had to see him on tour he sucked yeah i mean he was just not hot like i wanted to see zach efron was vanessa there yeah and the rest of them i mean it was literally just everyone but zach was there and he was replaced with drew seeley corbin blue they didn't tell anyone uh they told someone i know just not you um, but he he would be fun. good on Broadway for sure. Yeah, he could. I mean, anyone that you can see smiling in a spotlight. So true. Oh, That's love a good that. test. Yeah. Like I saw Hugh Jackman in The Music Man, and like that actually lives were changed. I mean, like the actual plot didn't care. It was just like watching, essentially a circus or something. Like there was just a lot of. But that also was a musical that's about musicality. And showmanship, you know, like the best ones are just about that because otherwise like, it just is so unnatural. Like, yeah. Of the opera, yeah, like the ones the that are producers. about like being in high yeah. school. Actually, Dear Evan Hansen is funny, but in a different way. I saw Zachary Quinto in The Glass Menagerie. Whoa, feels very Damn, gay. You guys have seen so many musicals. I haven't seen. I, I saw like ever a musical. Bought a ticket myself, though. Yeah, like, somehow that's the thing. someone's that's always like, "Oh, take yeah. this ticket." Like you know that sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, musicals have to find you. They have to find you for sure. Damn, this I wouldn't is not even know how to find to me. you. I have to go outside. I know. I mean, house. I live on Broadway, and I'm still. Every time I tell people I live there, they're like, "Oh my god, I bet you see musicals every day." And I'm like, "Why would I do that?" But I kind of want to start going, like, and being one of like five people in the audience of an off-Broadway musical about. Can you go to like rehearsals? I should be able to. Oh, that would be really stature. interesting. Of your stature. Can you ask for my phone, please? Yeah, I just like the the aesthetic that Ariana was trying to represent in her yes and video, which is Bob Fosse, but also there's like the Anne Margaret aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's mm-hmm. like the cutest thing ever. And, but I don't really like it in a ballet course sense. I like it in a way that you're like knowing that you're gonna have to do intense tap dancing or something. 
So mm-hmm. you need to be wearing really minimal clothing. I think that's really beautiful. It's in, yeah, it's like um, the studio is making you take ballet classes. You're not taking ballet classes because yeah, you want they're, to. Yeah, they're telling you that you have like no grace and no poise. They're saying it, it's like a dance monkey situation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I like I like the Bob Fosse aesthetic a lot and feel very conflicted about I feel like it would Ariana look really good on you, Sam, because you would have, like, really voluminous hair on top of a very, like, streamlined silhouette, you know? Yeah, I feel like I really need to get myself a leotard. Well, I guess because you have your warmers. jazz shoes, which are pretty close. Yeah, I do wear a lot of dance wear. Like, mm, dance shoes in general are my main form of footwear. I like being close to the ground. I like feeling like I'm barefoot. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I, I'm I have, I'm very fond of the Bob Fosse aesthetic. Have been for many years, mm. but yeah. And I was also very fond of Ariana Grande. But it's like two things that I hold so near and dear to my heart were tainted in this next, in this new year. And just I feel like I can't condone this behavior. You know, it's been very difficult for me. <laughs> I'm about to cry. Oh my god. <laughs> well, guys, should we do um, what you rather's? Um, okay, would you rather? So, would you guys rather have a rap battle with Renee Rap or a cheese tasting with Ethan Slater? Um, go ahead, Sam. I think I'm gonna have to take the rap battle. I don't think I could stomach a cheese tasting. <laughs> The cheese man and stuff like it just seems like. Do you remember the che- stinky cheese man? The stinky cheese that's man from that book. Him. I love that. That's book. him, the stinky cheese man. Yeah, yeah that's I so stomach, Ethan Slater. You know that phrase like your stomach. It's like turns, cannibalism. Like, that's actually what happens. Yeah, like, literally. I, like I feel like I couldn't stomach it. Like, yeah, I have some ish. I have some matters to settle with Renee Rapp actually <laughs> that have to do with a personal connection. <laughs> so yeah, I think. She wouldn't expect me to have that tea. So to drop that in a rap battle. That would be yeah. like an eight mile. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it is like an like eight mile eight thing. Mile. Yeah. She would be Eminem though. Yeah. She would be. She kind of looks like him. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, she does. She does. She should get a buzz cut next. <laughs> <laughs> she should get a little bang. Oh my God. Um, okay. Her office iron stylings are so bad. And yeah, it doesn't fit her. Should we end there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have to go. Guys. Okay, okay, Sorry. okay. All right. Well, bye, everyone. Love bye, y'all. everyone. Bye. bye. We'll probably yeah. revisit more of these topics in the future, but. Okay. okay. Bye. Yeah. All right. Bye. Love y'all. Bye.